Welcome back to Bible Love. And as we record this, um, Omicron and COVID is upping the case numbers around uh, my own county, just increase the threat level. And so we thought we would pray the prayers for a sick person from ministration to the sick in the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. O Father of mercies and God of all comfort, our only help in time of need, we humbly beseech thee to behold, visit, and relieve thy sick servants, for whom our prayers are desired. Look upon them with the eyes of thy mercy. Comfort them with the sense of thy goodness. Preserve them from the temptations of the enemy and give them patience under their affliction. In thy good time, restore them to health and enable them to lead the residue of their life in thy fear and to thy glory. And grant that finally they may dwell with thee in life everlasting through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Bible love listeners, you're in for a treat today because we have the Reverend Jill Williams with us. Jill is a member of a clergy member in my diocese and Alan's former diocese, the Diocese of Upper South Carolina, and she is the chaplain at Heathwood Hall, which is an Episcopal school in Columbia. And I've gotten to know Jill a little bit over the past couple of months. So glad to have another female priest in our diocese that I can get to learn and love and um, have enjoyed her so much. And we asked Jill to come and talk to us today. We're still in this quirky little sweet book of the Bible, um, Ruth. And today we're talking about Ruth chapter three. Um, and Jill kind of teased us when we started. Oh, gosh, guys, y'all gave me the weird chapter. But it's actually she's found some really good stuff with it. <laughs> and welcome, Jill. So glad you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. My favorite part of your podcast is um, when y'all name the episodes. And mm -hmm. I cannot wait until I have some really good thoughts about naming this weird, weird um, courtship. Yeah, well, I have, I, look forward I, have, to it. I have no credit for that. Alan is the mastermind behind the naming of the podcast, and he sits there and listens for the right thing to come up. And then he's like, I got it. You know, uh, I think he's asked me once in ep like a year and a couple of months if I had an idea for a name of it. He just knows <laughs> what to do. So, but yeah, that's a fun, it's fun to kind of figure out how we're going to get through this or name it or whatever. So, Jill, you had some interesting thoughts because this is a chapter about courtship and about marriage. Well, they actually get married in chapter four, but now, uh, Ruth and Boaz are sort of figuring out this relationship, which is very different, but maybe not so different than how you might date in 2022. Now, the three of us are not dating right now, but, you know, we do all know people that are dating and they are dating in different ways, right, <laughs> than maybe when we were um, courting. So talk about that a little bit, Jill. What are your thoughts? Well, so I first I read this chapter and I was like, oh, my gosh, she like gets pretty and then lies down at his feet. It's weird. I don't know what to do with that. Like, there's nothing 
to do with that. And it felt, honestly, it felt a little icky at first. But then um, as I was doing the research about kind of what was happening in that time, a big part of courtship was getting to know people in a group setting. And the idea was that people could not put as many masks on if they were in a group setting, that your friends would kind of call you out, that it's harder to wear a mask when you're around a lot of people. And so all of this work that she was doing, going and working on the farm and being part of the threshing, it was her being in a group setting with Boaz to get to know him and to see if he was a really, really was an honorable man. And so then if you have this group setting relationship, how do you make that transition from friends who are in a group setting and who have um, kind of gotten to know each other a little bit, but to then maybe wanting something more, wanting wanting a marriage relationship. And so that's essentially the transition that happened in this chapter is that she had gotten to know Boaz. There's lots of signs. I can give you a bunch of them, but there's a lot of signs that he is um, a good man. And he's kind of proven this to her. And so now she's going to follow her mother-in-law's advice and she's going to get a little pretty and wait for a moment when he, she can get him alone, right? Like, so it's after everybody's left and she can get him alone and she's going to essentially sit at his feet because it's a sign that says, you know, I trust you and I want I want a relationship with you, which I just thought was a nicer way of thinking about it. So I like I that. Agree. <laughs> we could have immediately gone to, ooh, he's sitting at his, she's sitting at his feet. Yuck, you know, but I think you're right. If we need to understand the context of the time period, I think that is so, so, so important. But also women, let's just get serious. I mean, we, we like to pretty up. We like to go up to the guy and, you know, hey, I like you. You know, I mean, we've all been in those circumstances. And, you know, um, I think to deny that is, is probably not a good thing to do. So I, I like your, your version or the commentary that you read about it. What do you think, Alan? Um, I feel like I'm on like a chick podcast right now, like the <laughs> hat makers episode or something. Um, wait, I mean, you just said, Hey ladies, you know, I'm like, yeah. um, you know, it makes me think, right. Like, uh, Ruth and Naomi are taking control of their situation. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, in this case, it's sexually, it's relationally like Ruth is making advances, which probably weren't too common in the ancient near East for the woman to be the proactive one in this, but their situation. And we've talked about it the last several weeks. They're in a dire situation that they have to figure this out. And they found this person who can be their kinsman redeemer. Um, there happens to be a spark, I guess. And so Ruth tries to take it to that, that next level. And then Jill, you said, you know, there's some signs that, Boaz is an honorable man, whatever. I mean, the first, right, is like he has this woman who's dolled herself up and throwing herself at him. And he says, I'm actually not your closest relative. Right. So he's saying this woman is at his feet, which is a euphemism. But he's like, wait a minute, this isn't mine for the having. Basically, it's what that is. When he starts talking, you know, later on in that chapter about, you know, there's another kinsman closer. He's basically telling Ruth, like, I can't do this right now. Mm-hmm. And so he's setting up a boundary kind of, um, he's showing honor, right? He's not taking things too far when he easily could have. 
And, you know, thinking at it from a guy's perspective, right? Like it gets really tricky when hormones get involved, right? Mm -hmm. When emotions are all over the place, when you are, I forget how they said it, but he's essentially drunk, right? Right. He's had his fill. And so he's probably not thinking right, but he can still be clear headed enough to say, wait, we need to do this right. And doesn't take advantage of the situation, Mm -hmm. even though she's like clearly kind of opening herself up to it. He, he doesn't. And I think that's a really important point to make. Tell us Jill, um, some of the, you said you had a couple of um, images in this chapter that were interesting that you wanted to share. Well, I think that this idea of her, not only knowing that Boaz could take care of her, because I think that's really important, right? Like what you said, Alan, about them being in this dire situation and women at the time, they need someone to take care of them. And and he is in some ways sort of obligated to do so. Um, and so, and in the position to do so, right? Like he's a wealthy guy. Um, but interesting to me was kind of the ways that he's shown her he's also honorable along the way. And so one of those was that he actually does participate in a life with the people who work for him, that it's not totally separate, but that he's whining and dining with them, that he's providing that for them um, before he even really knows her, she sees these actions. And there was also something about he could have really, she's young, she's beautiful. He could have claimed her before she even wanted him, even set foot onto his property. He could have claimed her. He could have said, I'm your, I'm your person. I'm going to claim you without, um, without you wanting this. And instead he waits. Now there is this other person kind of out there, but we know from the previous chapters that he's noticed her and that he was going to allow for her to pick a younger man, even though he could have claimed her himself. Mm -hmm. And so that's really honorable. And then they, this, this commentary, or I thought this was interesting. I read something that said, you know, he didn't actually wait and sort of stay up all night and kind of do the party life. But he did come back to bed at like a reasonable hour and show that he was going to get up for work the next day. I mean, these are little signs that like Boaz is an honorable man. And so I love that she has had this chance to kind of check him out and that even though she's in a dire position, like no one has forced her into something beyond her beyond what she wanted, that she has had this opportunity to check him out, that there was another option, even maybe even several, like there was whoever was supposed to be the person, but then all these young men, right? But Boaz is honorable. And so it's a, it's a both and he's the one and he's the one for her. Um, I just, I like in, in the Bible, there's so many times when women are forced into situations and have to be very cunning to find their way out. But in this case, I do think like timing, God allowed for the time, um, for her to get to know Boaz and for, and really touched his heart to be a kind man who would take care of her. I think that's really true. We talked about that some last week, you know, the, the, that we would all love to have a relationship like Boaz and Ruth, where they just were tender and loving and kind to each other. And I really hadn't thought about when I've read this before, I've always just thought, well, this was just the way it was. And I really appreciate you pointing out that there were opportunities 
for her to get to know him and for for it to like you said this is this is the right person for them both at this moment so one thing um two weeks ago when we were talking with Janie Wilson um she talked a lot about or brought up the fact that you know God is not mentioned one time in this quirky little book um of the Bible and it's had us thinking each time you know why is that is God a character in this Bible? And and Janie argued, and I totally agree, that God is probably the central character in this Bible, in this book, even though God's name is not said. What do you think about that, Jill? Well, I think where God is present in the book is that pe- the people, the story, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, these are people trying to live a life with God. And you can see in the choices that they're making to choose love, to choose kindness, to choose togetherness, to choose companionship over maybe safety and um, the easy route. Like those, those are loving, godly choices. That is, I mean, I know we're in the Hebrew scriptures, but that screams to me of the Jesus who will walk um, and who sends us out two by two and who walks with you into all of it. And I think that is... Um, those are the godly choices and they may not make those choices if they didn't have God's help, right? Because we say it all the time, I can do it with God's help. Yeah. And without God's help, we can't, we can't always make those great, those great choices because they're hard. Well, and their love is seeped in God too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm doing a wedding this weekend and they've chosen the Ruth, the Ruth one passage that often we use it. Um, weddings, but you know, I, I, I've been working on the sermon this week, and I've been thinking, you know, love is all you need. Love is all you need. You know that song. I, I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the Christmas movie that, that has that in that with Love Actually? Yes, Love Actually. I watched that recently, and, and I was like rolling around in my head. Um, and I thought maybe I'll just sing this song in the sermon. <laughs> you know, that'll be it, right? They would probably never ask me to do another wedding again. But then, but to your point of even though God's name is not um, said in here, I think that love is all you need with God's help, and God's love is what we all we need, right? And I think that is so evident in in the Book of Ruth over and over and over. What about you, Alan? Yeah, I mean that the love is all you need, right? That that can become trite, right? Right, especially with newlyweds and which like there's hormones and there's affection and all of that. So you don't then, think that's just seeing it at the uh, wedding? <laughs> Better you than me. <laughs> Do it. Do it. <laughs> but, but like I think about this, right? Like this is not an easy situation, right? Boaz is going into this relationship with his eyes open. He knows that Ruth has been through a lot, has baggage, right? And so it's not like just his kind of innocent, hormonal, whatever, is overriding. He says, Oh, this is going to be perfect. Like he's taking a woman who's been through a lot and they're eventually going to get married and have a family and, and all of that. And that's with God's help, right? Like life comes at you fast. Right. And if there's not God, if there's not that depth, if there's not more than just love, hallmark love, right. Things fall apart. Yeah. So true. You know, I just really, did. Go ahead, Sorry, 
I just did a wedding this past weekend. It was a New Year's Eve wedding. And we kind of talked about, in my sermon, we just talked about how all love comes from God. And so you have to have that foundation of God in your marriage because you are going to sometimes feel depleted of love and you have to have God's love to overflow from you. Just like Psalm 23 says, like it's got to overflow from you. It comes from God's first. And then we kind of talked too about the love of the community that was surrounding them as they had these vows, which you can start to see in Ruth and Naomi's life, this little building of a community, right? There's these young women that are mentioned. There's these young men that are mentioned. We, like she's come back and, and they're starting to build a relationship and that, that community loving you and saying, we will help lift you up in this love is also really important. We can see that Boaz has a great relationship with his community. And then there's this love between two people, which cannot expect perfection, but this reliance on good communication, on faithfulness, on steadfastness, all of those are words that we use to describe God, which is how all love comes from God. And that's, that's definitely a part of where I see God in this is, is that is that kind of building. It all comes from God, but then it has extended out into getting to know each other in community and then into blossoming into a love that like Alan said, is not perfect. It has some baggage with it for sure, but is not perspective. The the purpose is not perfection, but is steadfast faith. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. And I don't, I just was looking at the very last Uh, Well, it's not the very last, but um, I think it's verse 17. So Ruth comes home and is like telling her mother-in-law all about the day, you know, which women love to do. And it says, Ruth told her everything that Boaz had done for her. But then she added, he told me I must not come back to you empty handed. So he gave me all his barley and the hospitality in that, um, I, I just loved that. Like we, we don't show up at people's houses empty handed, right? We don't show up at church empty handed. And even if it's just that our hearts are open for God's love, our hearts are open for the Eucharist, for prayer, whatever it is. And I think that's just like such a beautiful example of hospitality and having, he didn't want them to not have anything, you know, and he didn't even wasn't even the one that showed up with it. He handed it to Ruth to give to Naomi. You know, I don't, what do y'all think about that? Yeah, I think this is an evidence where one of the commentaries I was reading talked about this as a place where God shows up, right? God has provided for Boaz through the harvest and through all of that. And then that's handed on to Ruth. You know, Boaz gave it to Ruth. Ruth then turns around and tells Naomi, hey, this is for both of us. She's the one that that takes this gift and expands it, right? And that's, I think, what godly love does, is it takes a gift and expands it. You know, it was meant for one person, and it's given to, to multiple. Um, but I absolutely think that's a sign of God's hospitality, of Boaz's hospitality, and of Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law. Yeah. And then it ends, the chapter ends, right, with Naomi said to her, now be patient, Ruth, until you see how all this turns out. And gosh, that's so hard for us. I'm really grateful Naomi uses that word patience, right? Because, you know, I'm sure y'all are just like me. You know, we're running, 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 patient. God, why isn't this happening the way we want it to? Why isn't it working out exactly how we want it to and the timeline that we want it to be in, right? And Naomi, through God, God uses Naomi to remind Ruth, be patient. This is going to be okay, right? 
what do y'all think about that? Well, I love the next line too, though. So if you keep going, it says, be patient, wait my daughter until you find out what happens. This is the NIV version. Wait my daughter until you find out for what happens for the man will not rest until this matter is settled. And that I think is a great gift to Ruth too, that he is not going to be like, okay, well, I'll get to it. I'm a very busy man and I got stuff to do and you're just going to have to wait. But that he is also anxious to kind of be with her and to settle this for her. And he's not going to make her wait forever. And I think that's a huge gift and a huge sign of his integrity because it would be a excruciating to wait as Ruth in that moment. So think about what she's doing. She's essentially waiting to hear if she's going to get to marry this man that she's decided she could marry, or if she's going to be given to somebody she doesn't even know, but is legally bound to. Wow. That's like, scary. that's what she's waiting for. That's super scary. That's super scary. And so she doesn't have to wait forever. He is a man who understands already. He's taking care of her. He's got to understand that this is a painful place to wait and he is going to handle it expeditiously. Like that's a huge gift from God too. Right. Yeah. That steadfastness that you were talking about a little bit earlier. I think we get really caught up in, I've been saying 2021, but now 2022, right? Of like how we want things to move and go fast. But we have to remember that God is with us in all those moments. And that patience is so important. And I I can already tell, I mean, I know y'all, I mean, what are we in day four, day five of 2022? And it already, like, you look online and all that stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, like people had such big expectations, right? for 2022 that it wouldn't be like 20 and 21. But to me, this is just life, right? Like this is, we are not promised no valleys. We are not promised things just being perfect all the time, but I continue to see God within all these things, which is I'm sure what Naomi and Ruth and Boaz thought too. I mean, I've got some folks that are just, really sick right now, not necessarily with COVID, but just really, really sick. But I keep seeing God working through them. Um, and I can't help but smile at that, even though they're in this deep, deep pain. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but other than I'm grateful that God is continues to be a part of all this, you know, even in the pain, that steadfast mm-hmm. love. So any parting thoughts? It goes so fast, doesn't it, Jill? It does. Uh, it does. <laughs> it was fun though. Yeah. No, it was just fun to be here with y'all and, and I, and to sort of examine. I've never, like, I think you've said this before on, in this particular book, but I've never kind of stayed with it for this long and really, um, like dove into to what it would actually feel like. And there's so many great characters to really empathize and find yourself within. And so that was a neat thing for me to remember kind of my high school self and like what dating was like and, um, and what life was like dating before I met my fantastic husband, but, um, and just that excitement of, of, a new relationship and what that could be like when you thought that you'd found really someone honorable and how, um, how important that is, especially for these two women now that they not only wanted that desired that, but really needed it. Um, 
And so it made me grateful for my own husband. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was neat to just like dive into the empathy of, of work. I think it's interesting how much this book really means a lot to so many different people. We talked about it when Greg was on the LGBT community, you know, the straight community, whatever, whatever community you're in, you know, it's, it's so interesting that these four chapters, which are, I mean, I'm in the, um, my grandmother's good news, but so this is one, two, three, four, five pages of the Bible, Mm -hmm. five pages of the Bible and how much it means to people. When God's name is not spoken once, but God is all over this book. So mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty interesting. And um, I don't think it's there just for the family line of Jesus. Okay. I really don't. I think there's so much more. So listeners, we've got one more chapter to go and read. Um, and we'll bring that to you next week. Jill, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm grateful for you and your ministry and your thoughtfulness, um, especially for taking a chapter of the book that, of this book that could have been a little bit icky and helping us find God's goodness in it. So listeners, as always, remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does.